This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Well, kind of like the first day of March Madness, a lot of you had your brackets busted today by a very uh, unexpected set 
of 53-man roster cuts by the Ravens. And uh, we're going to talk through that. Joining me today to do that is Gabe Ferguson of Ravens Situation Room. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ken. Thanks for having me on. It's, um, it was definitely a, a, a rocky day. It was a lot of interesting, unexpected things that we saw happen um, on the waiver wire. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned in, in the pre, pre-discussion about um, I don't think anybody probably hit that 53-man contest yeah. that the Ravens do every year. It's um, There's a few real curveballs in this, in this year's uh, cut list. Yeah, absolutely. So some things going on, and we're going to try and speculate on what some of what might be going on as we go through that. I think that's a lot of the fun of this. Uh, you know, it's not like I didn't miss also on the bracket, but some of these things, it, there, there's there's a little breadcrumbs on what might be going on. Let's start with the QB position because that's one I had speculated there might actually be a competition here. Huntley obviously uh, played but did not necessarily play well last year. Uh, seemed to be fairly limited in terms of his repertoire of what he could do on the field. What are your thoughts about that in terms of the competition with Brown? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, at the beginning of camp, nobody expected there to be a competition. And then over the course of the preseason games, we saw Anthony Brown come in and, and really play well. Um, he looked like he was comfortable in the pocket. He had a bit more of a penchant to throw downfield, which is something that I think Huntley has been um, remiss to do at times. He's, he seems... I mean, and Huntley, you know, he had some good numbers in the preseason in terms of completion percentage, but he took a lot of easy throws, short throws. Mm-hmm. Um, Brown was pushing the ball downfield more. You know, sometimes the receivers were wide open, like in preseason game three with Demarcus Robinson, but sometimes he was throwing to pretty tightly covered receivers and, and well-timed, good, accurate downfield passing. Um, and it was impressive to see, even if it was against, you know, second and third string defensive backs. Um, so he showed something to me that I thought was interesting. And I think he has, you know, potential future in the NFL. So I was a little surprised um, by that, the fact that he played as well as he did. And, you know, based on what Huntley did last year, I didn't think he his roster spot was potentially in danger. But I thought if they could trade him, then there might be a reason to keep Brown instead. Well, let's, let's, let's explore that a little more, because I think one of the Ravens roster decisions in particular for one position group clearly indicates a trade isn't in the works. In fact, there's there's multiple positions where you expect a trade or other acquisition to be in the works, but there's one where they have an extra player where it looks like they're, they're trying to trade one, and that's on the offensive line. We'll get to that a little later. I would have thought this was a fine place to do it as well. And they didn't use every potential veteran handshake deal that they had available. So one of the reasons they're doing it on the offensive line is that it's going to give them more time. You know, they 10 days right now to, uh, you know, more than that, in fact, 12 days to, to go and talk to other teams, see who wants what. But the Ravens probably gauged the market for quarterback, probably for both Huntley and Brown. You know, if they were, you know, they could have been uh, approached certainly for a deal for either and found that there's just not much there. Uh, you know, I, I, probably a lot of teams are circling like vultures waiting for a, for a quarterback to come free, or, or there might be some teams. But no one's thinking this is so pressing that we need to look at this preseason result and say this guy requires us to trade a fourth-round draft pick for him. Yeah, I think it's hard to actually find a team that needs that player. Um, you know, most teams have a quarterback that they like as their backup whether or not they're as talented as, you know, a Huntley or even a Brown, 
but they've been in the system for a long, longer time. They, they know what they're doing. They know the playbook. It's hard to bring somebody in at the end of the off season and have get them up to speed quickly. Um, and then on the other side of things, it's going to cost you something, you know? Yeah. And you don't, you don't know exactly how good the player's going to look in, in your team as well. So I think it's, it's a reason why we don't see that many trades this time of year. You know, there's one or two, but there, there's often aren't that many. Yeah, I, I mean, there are there there are four things that the Ravens could have done with Brown that I highlighted in the article on the fifty three coming up because actually it's really the offense article that people can go take a look at. They could keep him as QB two, which they obviously didn't do. They they they, they put Huntley on. They could have kept him as QB three, which we've just been talking about. It they didn't do that either. Um, they could have traded him, which they can no longer do. So that's out. Or they could cut him, which is what they do. Hope he goes, you know, makes it through and gets back on the practice squad. The issue with cutting him is that there's really two ways you can lose him. You can lose him to the waiver claim process. And I actually don't believe he's going to be lost during the waiver claim process. I think there's a team out there who's going to say, yeah, we want him. We don't think anybody else is claiming him, but we're, we're um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sign him to our practice squad. And that way we don't have to, we don't have to create a space on the 53 for him. Not even that that's that hard right now. Cause you're going to IR guys tomorrow. You still have, you know, some vet guys on there. You might be able to create a space for someone fairly easily for a temporary period of time before you figure out other elements of your roster and shuffle. But the, here's the problem. It's not just about what team wants Brown. It's about Brown wanting some other team. So here he's behind Huntley and Jackson. And he may say, I'm even with Huntley and I'm, I'm behind Jackson. But if I hang around for a year, I'm certainly ahead of Huntley as a year two guy with him going into year four. I, 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 but he also could say, but look at the Carolina Panthers over there. They got Baker Mayfield and this other set of clowns. And, you know, they really aren't serious about any of them. It's a potential train wreck. That's exciting for me to go maybe be, you know, the, on the, the uh, what you call it, the, the practice squad, but what's the, the scout team? Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for, for other, for them, you know, so their defense can get used to playing a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I just think he, he could easily see a greener pasture somewhere else than playing on the practice squad here in Baltimore. Yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, you, you want to have a path towards relevance. You want to have a path towards playing time, being on an actual roster. Um, maybe he gets more money somewhere else. You never know what, you know, I think the practice squad, is preset in terms of what they make, but there mm-hmm. might be, I think there's an opportunity to potentially give more. I'm not sure how that works, but regardless, you know, it's really just up to him and like how he wants to see his, his, you know, future go out. That is, unless he wants to get, if he gets claimed, then then there is no choice. You, you go and play on somebody's roster. Um, and if he does, you know, good for him. That's, that's definitely, um, a, I think a step up because I don't think it was likely that he would have made it onto the Ravens 53, like you talked about. The only chance was if Huntley got traded, um, and mm-hmm. that didn't happen. So, you know, I, I would like to see him on the Ravens practice squad. I think he is a good potential future backup. Like we just we mentioned, I think he has potentially more upside than, than Huntley does. But we'll have, to see, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think the Ravens would love to keep him if they can. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think that's where we are. I don't think we really need to say a lot more about it because there's, there's nothing to be done. But maybe one other thing I will mention is that let's say he makes it through to the Ravens practice squad. I've often talked about how the replacement level erodes during the season. It, it, it gets lower, and particularly at size and shape positions like offensive tackle or defensive line, uh, that, that, that you don't have tons of people that are that size and shape. You get a real erosion over time in terms of what people want to accept 
in a guy they need in November or December as opposed to what they're willing to accept in the roster this time of year. You do have that at quarterback. It's not nearly as much on the reduction in the replacement level, but there are teams that don't know they're bad yet, and they will be bad, and they'll then think to the future during this season, and they may say, you know what? We don't need this 53rd roster spot for this fourth tight end. Why don't we go ahead and pick up Anthony Brown because he's got a future with us. Yep. All right. All right, let's move on to running back. Uh, Very un-Ravens-like move to cut their sixth-round pick, Tyler Beatty. Uh, I, you know, I, I looked at him this preseason. I saw some good things in terms of pass blocking in particular in that last game and the previous game with one nice move out of sidecar. Uh, strange to me that they cut him. Yeah, I was really surprised about that. And to me, it was almost strictly a special teams decision. And to, I think it was, you know, between him and Justice Hill. And Justice Hill is someone who has shown the ability to be a contributor on special teams. I don't think they felt comfortable with with Beatty in that role. And I, th- and I think, you know, as we get through some of these other positions, that to me was a theme as to why several players were kept, in my opinion. It, w- it was special teams. And I think if you looked at the preseason coverage units, it wasn't as good as you'd like to see at times. Um, that's obviously something that Harbaugh has always been a, a, a stickler for special teams. And, um, you know, we see pretty much every year there's a couple of players that are kept just for that reason. I think that's one of the reasons why this happened. Um, you know, with Beatty, I hope that he can go through waivers and, and come back on the practice squad. Um, you'd like to have someone with his upside kept around, but, you know, losing that, you know, that nice rookie contract that he was on is something that I would not be pleased about because then he, he, he goes to becoming an exclusive rights free agent in, in a year and then restricted free agent. So you, you don't get quite the rights that you had with him. Um, but it's, you know, it's a decision that I think was mostly special teams. And I think that, Hill, you know, they kind of talked about him being someone who transformed himself as well. Mm -hmm. He didn't look that great when he was running the ball, but maybe he'll have more of an opportunity in that arena. We'll see. One of the interesting things about Hill was, I agree with you on the special teams comment, by the way, but Hill didn't play special teams much this preseason. He might not have played at all. He didn't. He, he only ran the ball or, or was in offensively for two plays in this last game and none on special teams. He has that reputation as being an excellent gunner. I believe he may have returned kicks at some point for the Ravens as well, kickoffs. I think he did as a rookie. Yeah. yeah. So so it's not like there aren't some things he, he could be useful for. The other theme I see in the running backs is one I think may be led to the decisions on the cuts here. And I look at Mike Davis still being kept on the roster, which still confounds me in terms of a guy who is such an obvious cut and you and you could bring him back. I mean, first of all, if you lose him, oh, well. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not like you've lost the greatest back in the NFL or not, but, but you know, he's... He, he, He's a guy that I don't think they would have had any trouble, you know, going to and you know understanding the business at his age and and be able to come back. Then there's rumors, of course, they're signing Kenyon Drake tomorrow or someday in the in the in the near future, probably when their own roster, you know, has has bubbled through to the degree they'd like. Um, you know, he's a, he's not a spring chicken anymore. I think he might be 28 also, 27, 28. Um, and and we're getting into that vet running back room again from last year. I mean, Gus Edwards is getting close to that age. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, when he comes back, will be a third-year player, will be the spring chicken on the on the entire team. Um, but, but what I think has happened is Nate McCrary, who's a year two player, 
showed again that he really couldn't handle the mesh point in this game. There was a, a mesh handoff. It ended up being a fumble by Brown in theory. He pulled it, but it's because McCrary wasn't handling the mesh point is why that fumble occurred. Uh, they, they were so awful at executing um, read option football this preseason. And I know it's not Lamar Jackson, so that's part of the problem. But they were so awful at executing it. I think they probably put a premium on older backs who have some experience with mesh point play and and have a uh, ability to handle it. And if we look back to 2019, remember it was Mark Ingram who was the guy who really uh, w- was the was the one who could handle it probably the best of the group. Yeah, I think that is a, a definite skill set. And going back to what he says 2018, um, Gus Edwards emerged because he was really good in that role. Um, and the name of the other running back is slipping my brain, but he had a really good 2017, and then he couldn't do anything when he was asked to. Collins, maybe? Yeah, Collins, or... yeah. yeah. Um, he just basically was ineff- completely ineffective in the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that to a certain extent last year as well with the running backs the Ravens brought in. There weren't very many options. Um, I think you know it might have gone a little better over the course of the season, but it was definitely like it was just really ugly to start. Um, so I, I'm... I'm hoping that Mike Davis, you know, has some experience there. Um, that's probably why they kept him. I think they just needed something that they could count on because there's a chance that J.K. Dobbins doesn't play in week one. I think a pretty mm-hmm. good chance he doesn't play. Um, and they didn't want to risk not having him. And that's probably why they kept him on the roster. We'll see about Kenyon Drake. Um, it seems like it's a done deal, but um, we don't know how much money he's going to ask for what he's going to cost but i do think that you know he is someone who has proven to be a a good back in the nfl he he can catch the ball out of the backfield he has some quicks to him so i like you know i like that signing um it's going to be interesting to see what happens when edwards gets healthy um i'm not sure where this kind of backfield is going to go to someone's going to be you know, on the outside looking in, it seems like, because you're not going to carry five running backs. So that's going to be an interesting situation when that occurs as well. Just going through this, Kenyon Drake um, is 28 now. Uh, he'll be 29 in January. This will be his fourth team. So he's been around the league, played with Miami, uh, Arizona, and he certainly would have had some mesh point play with Tyler um, uh, there, uh, Kyler, Kyler Murray. Um, and and uh, the Las Vegas Raiders last year, where he only had 63 carries. Uh, despite you know being active for 12 games, uh, nothing in his career, anything recently anyway, about a yards per touch guy that is exciting. He's a 5.7 yards per target for his career. Uh, you know, four four and a half yards per carry is not bad, but the last three stops he's been 3.7, 4.0, 4.0. So, you know, we we don't know what he has left. What I'm concerned about is what happened to the Ravens last year in terms of not having a speed back that could threaten the outside. At least one they trusted because they didn't trust Tyson Williams and they didn't trust McCrary, even though he was you know one of the few guys that was really available to them, is that they don't have a guy to threaten the outside. And that means they can't threaten defenses horizontally across the line of scrimmage. They can do it with a gadget guy with DuVernay or maybe maybe Demarcus Robinson runs some of these now. But they can't. They don't really have a way to threaten the outside with a back out of sidecar. That really limits an offense like this, a running game like this. And I just, I think there's this. They are still a work in progress in terms of finding that back who is both comfortable with the mesh point and really has the speed necessary to to drive it the way that uh, other backs in the past have. And that might have been one of the factors that went into 
them keeping Justice Hill as well Just, because yeah. he does have that you know that speed at least on paper. Um, I think we've seen some of that explosiveness out of him at times. Although in my opinion, he hasn't really been the playmaker that we hoped he would be when he was drafted. Um, he still has you know that potential, and he might be that player that they hope to do that if Dobbins isn't you know ready to carry the load. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and that's that's something. It's just the Tyler Beatty cut is, is, again, surprising for for one other reason, is that he was supposed to be a guy to bring back juice to the Ravens' passing yeah. game, be a third down back, be a guy you could bring in on screen passes. You know, the thing I've been always promoting during the preseason, which is obviously not true anymore, was that, you know, you can, you can get him behind Linderbaum, who is the first get-out-in-space blocker they've had in a long time with the kind of quickness necessary to really assist in, in a screen game. Uh, you know, they play with elephants and they're very effective playing with elephants, but I, hopefully Linderbaum is going to give them something different. And Beatty was a guy who, who could help exploit that with, you know, a low center of gravity, power, ability to follow one block, your receivers and tight ends are making others. It just, I was excited about that possibility, but um, you know, it's, it's just really surprising to see that them give up on that quickly. Maybe Hill will be a better player again with Linderbaum as well. Hill is a receiver, very unimpressive in his career. Yeah, definitely agree with that point. And, and you know, one last thing before we wrap up running back. Um, cutting Beatty also means your running back room in 2023 and 2024, it's questionable. You know, what, what do you have there? You know, Davis is on a one-year contract. Kenyon Drake probably going to be a one-year contract. You don't have anybody young outside of Dobbins, and he's coming off of an ACL. Edwards on a second and contract be in year already. Four also, yes. that's real important. So yeah. you really don't have anybody on the roster in the future. And running back's a position where you want young players. Um, so that's something that I'm going to be, you know, paying attention to. And maybe they feel like they're just going to, you know, keep drafting mid-round running backs every single year and hoping somebody, you know, sticks and and fits the mold of what they want. Um, but it's not exactly where I'd want to be in an offense that relies so heavily on the running game. Right. I mean, they, they can look back at Gus Edwards and say, you know, he was a UDFA. They, they can look back at, you know, several guys. Collins is one of them who they picked up for, you know, in the R slash one cuts. And, and they might have that chance again this year to, to find somebody who's in the cuts today, uh, either by waiver claim, which I think maybe is a little bit less likely, or just by signing them um, to the practice squad, which is probably the way uh, that they end up going, uh, who, who, who might provide some of that youthful value, a little bit more outside speed than what they have right now in the room. All right, we ready to move on? Yeah, wide receiver. All right, well, let's talk about wide receiver. A bunch of, bunch of Cinderella's uh, are still only have one slipper, I guess, or however you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, after that week one game, I thought Shamar Bridges had a shot. He looked really good, some, you know, downfield catching, um, going up and making that, you know, goal line touchdown, or not, not even goal line touchdown, but, you know, red zone touchdown on the fade throw. It was really impressive, and then he kind of disappeared. Practices weren't good, according to the reports. He didn't really show up in any of the preseason games. Um, and then their guys, you know, made a couple plays here and there, but nothing that was consistent. So I think it makes sense to to bring in a guy like Robinson, and, and he, he really showed that he's kind of a notch above the other guys. Yeah, he, in terms of wiggle at the top of the route, I, I've, I, I don't think you see very often a receiver demonstrate so much of that in a single game. But he had not go and a sluggo in the same go in the same game, where both times he got a very bad cornerback, admittedly, to bite on that on that route. 
Um, the Ravens need that. I mean, they, for the, first of all, they need the speed to take the top off the defense. But second of all, they need they need guys who are good at the top of the route. And Bateman is one, but it might not be enough with having all the tight ends they have to just have one. You really want to put the fear of depth in those safeties on the field. So they're going outside first and inside second in terms of, of uh, how they deny space against your tight ends. Yeah, I've... You know, Robinson was an interesting player. I remember when he came out of Florida, he was someone who, who caught my attention, um, someone I, I, I liked. But he, was, he wasn't he was the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. Um, I think, you know, he played decently well when he was with the Chiefs. Um, and he kind of had moments, you know. He, he wasn't somebody who was consistently, you know, making plays. But when he was called upon in certain games, he, you know, he had some kind of, like, big output games. And... I think that's something that is what the Ravens need. You know, they don't necessarily need someone who's going to catch, you know, five to six balls every game. But if he's caught upon and if he's in a good matchup, if he can, you know, be a difference maker um, on a cheap contract, then I think that is something that they're looking for for sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. He's a guy who dropped a 6.4 yards per target last year, which was somewhat off his career level. His career level is 7.4. And for three years, he was at 7.9 to 8.7. Uh, most important statistic for a for a receiver, uh, he had increased his catch percentage in 2020 up to 76.3 percent. So it looks like there might have been some shorter plays involved. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, clearly he looks like the Ravens' deep threat right now in terms of what they have. You can talk about Devin Duvernay, but what Devin Duvernay doesn't have is the ability to get to the top of the route and make the cornerback make the wrong move. We really have never seen that from him. Yeah, and for whatever reason, you know, Lamar Jackson and Devin DuVernay don't have chemistry on on deep throws. Lamar doesn't even seem to look at him very often. He's never really Mm -hmm. gotten any, you know, routes that have been like, this is the DuVernay downfield play where he's going to like win on a post route or, you know, win on a nine route where he's schemed to be open. And if he's that guy who's running it, he's mostly running it to clear out space for somebody else. Um, So that's maybe something that he just doesn't have in his in his ability and his arsenal of, of route running to kind of full cornerback and, and win at the top of the stem like you're talking about um robinson does seem to have that so um mm-hmm. that hopefully you know we'll have somebody in this offense um whether or not he's you know the everyday number two wide receiver i think that's yet to be determined but i do think that he will be out there quite a bit especially if he proves he's capable as a run blocker yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that he's going to have a big big role in this offense in terms of snaps. Let's go ahead and move on to tight end, where one of the biggest surprises of all is, and, and this may be special teams related, as you kind of insinuated earlier, but Josh Oliver making the team as the fifth tight end. Charlie Kolar is there as the fourth, and we all know he's going to IR um, within the next day or two um, so to, to make room for another player. But Josh Oliver making the team as the fifth tight end is... He's taking somebody's spot, darn it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's this this to me was the most inexplicable of, of all the kind of roster decisions. Um he's not an exceptionally good blocker. He's not an exceptionally good pass catcher. I, I wouldn't even say he's necessarily good at either of those things. Um to me it was, you know, what I, I said earlier about special teams. That that's the only explanation for why you're keeping a fourth tight end who is on his fourth year of his contract. He doesn't have any future benefit to the team. Um, it, I just don't really understand why he's out there um, in, unless they 
unless there's real concerns about Boyle not being healthy, that's the only thing I can think about. Maybe he's not ready to really take on the load that would be expected out of him. But I'm I'm, I'm really surprised by this one. And not that I don't like Josh Oliver. I mean, he, he played nicely for the Ravens last year when, when called upon. But he's not someone who's going to be a difference maker for you. Um, and I think it just came down to having some bodies that they count on in special teams. To me, that was really the only decision I could put my finger on as to why that would happen. Uh, I, I basically agree with that. I think that, that if you look at who Oliver is um, and you're really planning to put him in line, I think, you know, I'm not even sure he'd get that job. I'm not sure that, you know, they wouldn't rescheme the offense, maybe bring Ben Mason up from the practice squad and Patrick Ricard takes over as a blocking tight end. I mean, I, they've, you know, one thing they've done when they lost Boyle before was they did all sorts of things where they didn't really even know how to use that extra eligible receiver, but they brought in a sixth offensive lineman. They were doing various things to try and, uh, you know, add some creativity to the offense under those circumstances. Uh, but I agree. I think, I, I, I don't think Oliver is a legitimate replacement for Boyle is, is basically where I'm sitting. I did like a couple of the, the nice yak plays he had mm-hmm. in the last game. You know, there's, there's some, I could say some positive things. I think there's a, there's a reason to keep him around in the practice squad. And, yeah. um, I just, I just don't see him as being a guy. Anyway, if, if Oliver is on this team, and that was a significant component. And if they're thinking of offense, because they better be thinking at least partly of offense and you know, partly of whatever the guy plays and then partly of special teams for these guys who are the special teams guys. I hope that means they, they feel like they can't deal, they can't do without 13 personnel. And if they were short a tight end, they want to have a guy who knows the scheme like Oliver. So usually, you know, I call that a four to make three situation. And you know if 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 that's the reason they did it, I, maybe I, I I could accept that as as the guy. I do think they've had good success going out and getting Eric Tomlinson in past years, who's just a pure blocker. And I think there's they are rare, they're hard to find, but I think there are a couple guys that could probably do that job for them. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but to me that just doesn't add up because we saw last year Patrick Ricard. You know, come in and take mm-hmm. almost half a snap snaps as an inline, or like kind of like a move tight end, um, or, or H back, or something that is equivalent to what you would would get with Boyle, and and that's the reason why they used him so heavily because Boyle was obviously not healthy last year; he wasn't on the roster at that point. Um, so I think you can have that, unless they really don't see likely as someone who's even a, a tight end on the roster. He, he consider mm-hmm. him more of like a, a slot wide receiver. Um, and they don't really consider him as even a viable blocker. Um, I guess that's where this kind of makes a little bit of sense. But if you can't get by without having 13 personnel, I mean, that's that seems kind of strange to me as well. Like, that's a that's a, an extreme you know offensive package that the Ravens have probably even used at most maybe 10 percent of the snaps. At right. most. Even even in 2019, I think it might have been six or seven percent of the snaps. So it's not it's not a lot. But when it's on the field, it drives opposing defensive coordinators nuts because they don't know how to line up against it, particularly on early downs. You know, they're like, okay, what are they doing? Is this five wide? Is this, you know, what, what, are, they, what are they planning here? Uh, and I think you, you can gain some advantages from that. But I agree. It's not the, the amount that you play that as opposed to the amount that you're forced into 11 packages, say, at the end of the half. Even, it might even be a, a faux 11 because you've got Andrews and likely probably on the field together at that, in that situation anyway of four total receivers you'd be throwing out there but you're you've 
I agree. It's not enough in and of itself. It's this is more of me being trying to be a devil's advocate for my Josh Alvarez on the field at all because I don't really see it. Let's move on to the offensive line. This is another kind of interesting one. Uh, what are your thoughts? Eleven guys. I thought ten was going to be the number. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I thought um, ten was likely. Um, I thought maybe even nine if, if they had a trade in mind. And I think a, a trade still probably could happen. Um, I think Cologne was the player that was the um, unexpected player out of this group. Um, you don't really necessarily need to have two centers plus two other guys who have played center for you, considerable amount. Um, that seems excessive unless one of those players is going to be traded. Um, I, I do think the one potential reason for keeping 11 is concerns about Ronnie Stanley's health. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they don't really feel like he's ready to go for the first week, maybe even not the first few weeks. Um, there's a chance that he could head to IR still. Um, I don't think that's likely. I, I don't want to see that happen, but it could happen. Um, the same could also happen for Daniel Falele. Um mm-hmm. He's also a developmental player um, who's been hurt. So if one or two of those players heads to IR, then it makes a little bit more sense. Um, and then you have potentially Makari as your swing tackle, um, even though he's never played left tackle for the Ravens. Um, but you want them to have that extra interior offensive lineman who could be your backup center in that instance. Right. Well, you can, you, it's easy to, to have the dominoes fall, and, and the biggest domino of them all, kind of instead of knocking over dominoes one by one, he really crushes all the other dominoes because he's such a big deal. And, uh, Stanley is the, the most important offensive lineman the Ravens have. I mean, Zeitler's might be the best at this point, but Stanley's the most important because there just isn't anybody who can replicate what he can do. And if uh, if he really can't go, if it's I, you know I, I shudder to think that he might be going IR. I think you're probably right about Falele, that they might be willing to to stick him on IR to bring somebody back for starters, or that you know they they are not as def- um, what, what, uh, conservative defensive. You know I, I, you're going to get what the meaning of word is I'm choosing here in terms of of he, what the year means to him developmentally. Like it's to me, it's it's critically important for Falele, who seems to have been you know making some improvements mm-hmm. game to game, to to be out there at practice every week, uh, you know, taking reps, even if it's if it's less reps than the starters, that's okay. He'll have offensive line drills, you know, in, in practice on a on a daily basis that that they'll go through. That's really important for a guy like him to soak up what it's like to be playing in the NFL and 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 not miss out on that. Uh, he still you know, has no idea how to initiate contact effectively. And, and I'd really want to see it. But then again, a developmental offensive lineman almost like doesn't count to your total of offensive linemen. And then if you really have a trade in developmental play, well, you're down to the minimum at nine. You can't have less than a nine to make eight situation on a weekly basis. In my opinion, you're, you're nodding your head, but anything to say? On that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, it really depends on Stanley. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's where it stands, and a potential trade. So, like, you potentially have eleven that could go down to to nine really quickly, um, and then mm-hmm. depending on how you see Falele, like, I don't think he's ready for live action at this point. Um, maybe he could come in in some, you know, a six lineman situation. You know, someone who could potentially sneak in on on a pass play along the goal line, um, but it's. I think that there's still movement to happen, in my in my opinion. Whether it's players head to IR, trade happening, 
I don't think they're going to be 11 players on the 53 going into week one. That's that's my guess. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I, I've, I do have a kind of a theory on this that um, EDC has probably gotten calls on perhaps both players, Powers and Cologne. And there may be more interest in Cologne than there is in Powers just because of the price tag on him. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, obviously the Ravens would, would probably, you know, we have always su- supposed all off season that they probably would get rid of Powers before the season started. Now it looks like he might be starting left guard if they don't. Uh, anyway, it, it, other teams have probably asked about it. And, you know, EDC saw a bunch of teams who either weren't willing to offer much or looked like they were circling vultures or just going to say, well, screw you. We're going we're to wait. You're going to cut somebody and we're going to pick them up. And there's nothing you can really do about it. If you want to keep both, you just go ahead and give that a try. And, and he called their bluff on this to a certain degree. The Ravens have a number of vested veterans. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys are going to be handshaked um, back onto the team like, you know Jefferson and Urban and others, but but this is the, this is a way that DaCosta buys himself an extra twelve days to make this yeah. move uh, before the season starts. And he could have done the same thing with Anthony Brown, by the way. This is is buy an extra twelve days to trade either Huntley or Brown. Um, but I, but my guess is that there must have been more interest in the linemen than there were any kind of discussions about Huntley or Brown getting traded, or or it would have ended up the other way. Yeah, I, I would definitely believe that. I, I've seen many people in NFL circles talking on Twitter about how there's very limited offensive line depth and teams are always looking to pick up, you know, their eighth, ninth offensive lineman that they feel comfortable with. Um, And I actually think the Ravens are clearly in a position of strength with the depth they have. It's pretty rare. I think in NFL, um, do have Except to, they don't know if they have a left tackle is the problem. So. And, and, you know, I would even argue that they, I'm not sure who the left guard is at this point yeah. in the season, because even if it is Powers, who's the supposed starter, I don't feel great about that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's at least you have bodies that are of NFL caliber, yeah. and that's something that not all teams can say. Yeah, I, I, I actually really like the Ravens' backups, so I don't have a problem with Powers starting the first game. We don't know much about where he is right now as a football player because we've only seen him for 32 snaps in this preseason. Uh, in the case of, of Cleveland, he's been an, a bulldozer, a guy who has been very physical in this preseason. Honestly, he's been the Ravens' best offensive lineman this preseason. And then Cologne also has played well this preseason, so you could point to that. Uh, McCary, I think they'd be comfortable putting in at left guard if it were not for the fact that they think they'll need him somewhere else. And the guy who made a great comeback after a terrible first game really played well for a couple of weeks was Phillips. Uh, looked good at right tackle, looked very physical as a pass blocker, which is was really nice to see is instead of not initiating contact, now trying to bully the guy right off of the snap and, and, and kind of giving ground immediately and then you know losing to one side. He, he was, you know, he was coming out punching on the on the uh, opponent's opposite. I know they're not great opponents, but I, you know, I, I have a better feeling about him going in at left guard as well. It's even possible Phillips is the guy already they plan to start at, at left guard in week one. Uh, but I think, you know, I think they have enough talent at left guard to get by. I, it's left tackle. It is left tackle yeah. because the drop off is like jumping off the cliffs of Dover or whatever other metaphor you want to make in terms of how far the, the play could be below Ronnie Stanley. Ninety uh, percent of Ronnie Stanley, 2019, let's say. Yeah. And, you know, James has been out there a little bit. He hasn't been great. He's had some ups and downs. I thought he played pretty well in week one, week two. I thought he played worse. Um, but he's not someone who 
is going to hopefully be the long-term answer there for the Ravens this year. I think mm-hmm. as a backup, you're okay with him if he needs to be in there for a week or two. But, you know, against some of the better pass rushers in this league, in this division, it's going to be a struggle. And it's not something I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if he's going to be out there much more than that. Yeah, and, and that's really the problem. I mean, he, he uh, had trouble with Gardeck in week two at Arizona. Well, I mean, Gardeck is a you know, sixth-year player who's had seven career sacks, and he did have them all in one year two years ago. So it's, maybe there's a little bit of a pass rusher there, but he's nothing exceptional. And, you know, he's going to have to face Miles Garrett, and he's going to have to face, you know, Highsmith and uh, other guys in the division who are, who are, are clearly a, a cut ahead. All right. So Khalil McKenzie was another guy. I was a little bit surprised about, you know, not having any shot, but they would have, I think, really had to make a move beforehand. And uh, I think it might have been Jordan or it might have even been you because it was on a previous show that we talked a little bit about Khalil McKenzie. And he he made the point that, you know, you can start him on the practice squad. Might have been Dan Reese. Start him on the practice squad, elevate him twice. And then if your depth doesn't hold up, he's a guy you can bring up. Yeah, and you know we've talked about him as a potential two-way player, which mm-hmm. you know adds that extra bonus um, roster spot, so to speak. He didn't play any defensive line this year for the Ravens, so I'm not sure if he's actually a two-way player anymore. Um, but I thought he had some decent moments, you know, as an offensive player um, at guard. Yeah. Um, he's good pass blocking. Yeah, especially in pass blocking. So if he's someone who's you know a, a practice squad call-up, if you need depth. Um, then I, th- I think you can do worse. So it's, it's good to have him. I think he has a good chance he does make it to the practice squad. But, you know, we'll see. We talked about teams needing needing players. So there's a, there's a chance he gets picked up by somebody else as well. I still kind of feel like he's a guy who would be the eighth offensive lineman, but he'd really be the fifth defensive lineman for that game. Eighth offensive lineman, but the, he'd really be the fifth defensive lineman for a game where you only wanted to activate four. And the, the, the counter to the claim I'm making is that with the Ravens in their hour of most dire need, which is kind of a lot to put on a 23rd consecutive preseason win, you know, they they didn't have any linemen. Their linemen were gassed uh, that were out there, Mac and Nichols. They needed a blow like they never have, and they still didn't put in McKenzie. And it would have been truly playing him two ways, but he didn't play that many offensive snaps in the game. So he presumably could have gone in. And and Webb, of course, did in the end go in. So I'm, I'm just kind of left me wondering a lot of it you know why not uh, anyway yeah that was that was fun to see web actually i thought it was an interesting little, <laughs> little tidbit that you don't see very often yeah do you know who the who was the last ravens wide receiver to play defense in a preseason game i think i know the answer to this but i i, I know who did it i definitely don't know okay in 2018 tim white took six <laughs> snaps at uh slot corner Interesting. So, uh, I, you know, I, I happen to see these things in real time, and it's not because I have some supervision or whatever, but, but Maureen and I break down the players at the game, and our, our methodology is when a new player comes in, we have to record him as a substitute on that drive. And, you know, all of a sudden, we're both yelling in high-pitched voices at each other, hey, there's Tim White on the field. <laughs> number, no, who's number six? <laughs> uh, so anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, let's move on to uh, defensive line uh, here. I, you know, to me, the guy who displayed a lot in this preseason, had a really good preseason, was was uh, Mac. Yeah. Uh, he did some things in the regular season against in that Cincinnati game, which is a horrible abortion of a game, by the way. Uh, he was really one of the only Ravens defenders who looked pretty good then. 
Yeah, Mac um, was one of the more disruptive players the Ravens had on defense in this preseason. Mm-hmm. He was very consistently pushing the pocket, generating pressure. Um, you know, he he is someone who's been around a few more years. I think he's in his fourth year. Um, fourth year. So, you know, he has a little bit more experience than some of the guys out there. But um, I thought, you know, he, he was someone that wouldn't shock me if, if the Ravens kept on the roster. Um, you know, there's still a chance that, you know, he gets to the practice squad. But I, I think the defensive line is probably a, a little deeper around the league than the offensive line. So there may not be as much of a need to pick him up. Um, I would definitely try to keep him around if possible. Defensive line tends to be a position that does get banged up. So yeah. I think he he could potentially have a role at some point in the season. I, I think there's virtually 100% chance he'll play in the NFL somewhere this season. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean week one, but you're effectively alluding to the to the degradation of the of the uh, uh, replacement level. And, and Mac is certain to exceed that at some point this year and, and be a guy that other teams will look for. He's a little bit limited in what he does for you as a penetrating three, which is really his role, even though he's, he sometimes is listed as a nose tackle. Um, he's really, I think I think he beats guards one on one. I think mm-hmm. that's really what he does. And a lot of teams have that guy already, or they have a guy who they think is already really good in that role. And so they wouldn't see Mac as being a guy who who they'd bring in and do that. But uh, to me, he's a little bit undersized to replace. Pierce, I could take some snaps, but to, but to replace Pierce for say twenty five snaps in a game, or thirty five if Pierce was actually out, uh, I don't think that would be ideal. Uh, I I just I think that would if he's your if he's your nose tackle, he's a little bit undersized for that job, and that would be more difficult for him. Yeah, and, and during this preseason, we saw Aaron Crawford mostly playing the nose, mm-hmm. and then and then like you said, Mac played the three technique. Um, and one of the things that I thought with Mac being released, and he was one of the first players that was announced to be released. Um, was that that was a positive signal for Travis Jones because I was thinking if Travis Jones was headed to the IR, there was a better chance that they would want to keep Mac because I think in a lot of ways they have a similar type of role on the team and what and the position they play on um, along the defensive line. So I tend to think that maybe Travis Jones' injury isn't as significant or as serious as we had feared and maybe he can play, if not week one, you know, week two or three and, and they'll avoid having to put him on the IR. But that's something that you know we'll, we'll see in the next couple of days. You are an optimistic young man. I do appreciate that about you. I I I think we we might not see Travis Jones till midseason. I look at the three to five weeks as kind of a minimum platform for future negotiations about about the amount of injury. It, it, it just, when when Harbaugh gives an injury update like that. And I think this came originally from him as opposed to somebody else because nobody else is supposed to be talking about it. Uh, it, it He'll always, there's no incentive for him to do anything but give the most optimistic possible time. It doesn't, the news getting out doesn't help anybody. It weakens any kind of trade position the Ravens might, might be have. And the other thing is it disincents the player in some case to get back as quickly as possible. You know, you've, it's like you, you set a deadline for somebody who's working for you at work and you make it two weeks out. They're going to use the entire two weeks when they could do the job in, in three days if you just, you know, held them to that higher standard there and uh anyway uh it's i understand why they do it it's just i i come to expect that harbaugh's injury things are going to be the most optimistic personal possibly if i had to over under this i'd say we see him about week eight well i certainly hope that i'm right and you're wrong (laughs) (laughs) because and i do too (laughs) because I, i i he was one of the most impressive players um 
for the Ravens this entire preseason, and I was really excited to have him out there. Um, so I'm, I think that, you know, there, there definitely could be a range of, of outcomes. And if he needs to go on IR, then he, that will obviously open up a spot for, you know, someone else to fill in that role. But I think that if he can come back even optimistically in, in week three or week four, then you probably want to keep him on the roster potentially just for that optimistic window to happen. Right. I, I if, if there were space and you could really afford to carry walking wounded, particularly early in the year, that'd be fine. If you find yourself in a position where you have to put him on, on IR in week two, you're going to regret that choice potentially. So, uh, it's, you know, they've got the, they've got this luxury of right now of a bunch of veterans they can get back that, uh, that's kind of interesting to them. Uh, let's move on and uh, talk about the inside linebackers because I think the big storyline of the entire draft, if I had to, you know, a, a high-level storyline, is that they've got this incredible room of safeties. They've really got four top-quality safeties on this team, um, including Clark, uh, Stone, and the two starters, Williams and, and Hamilton, or, or sorry, Clark's a starter, and, and Williams and Hamilton. Um, but they, that, you know, would project to inside linebackers losing snaps this year. And yet they've kept five inside linebackers. <laughs> uh, what do you see as the impetus behind that? So two things that, to me, um, stood out. One is what I've already talked about in special teams, because mm-hmm. I don't think Christian Welch is someone who's going to be taking defensive snaps on this team, unless there's significant injuries ahead of him. So I think he's kept just because he's a special teams player and a good special teams player. Um, that, that's the reason why he's there. Now, Welch did replace Bynes for you know a couple series per game last year. And Joe Thomas, in fact, did. I think that might have been a message a little bit to Malik Harrison of don't do what you're doing. But you don't see that happening again with Christian Welch, say? I don't think or, so. Or maybe Malik Harrison is the guy. I, th- I think it would be Harrison or maybe even Ross, because I don't know why you would keep Ross if you don't have a plan to play him on defense. Because I think mm-hmm. he's not at least from what I saw, I don't think he, I mean, he can play special teams, but I think that Welch is probably the better player in that arena. I think Ross is someone who has more upside on the defensive side. And I think he's someone who you would bring in potentially to play, um, you know, if an injury happened or maybe even without an injury, maybe to see what he can do, be a spark plug in the, in the defense. He showed a lot to me in the preseason. He was one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I thought he was good in pretty much all facets. He was, he was a good blitzer. He was a good, very good run defender, um, very cerebral. He seemed comfortable in the defense. He knew what to do in, in, the, in passing downs. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that he made the roster. But I agree with you. Um, keeping five linebackers was surprising. Um, the other thing that I would mention is that, you know, something I've speculated about on Twitter, we've talked about it on Twitter a little bit, is Malik Harrison potentially playing some – um, Sam linebacker um, in, in some different alignments in this defense, um, whether that's in kind of some 4-3 looks or just as, you know, their traditional kind of Sam linebacker in a, in a more of a 3-4. I, I, I'm, I'm not um, excited about that prospect. Now, obviously, the, the, the Ravens are out of options at outside linebacker. We're going to get to that position le- left. They've only really got two guys they can play right now, which doesn't leave you. Certainly rules out the race car packages or the traditional three outside linebacker dimes the Ravens have been playing in recent years. Uh, Harrison is a guy who 
already has coverage difficulties at inside linebacker. And inside linebacker has a lot more in terms of varied coverage responsibilities. Maybe that's not true. They have a lot more in terms of coverage responsibilities than outside linebacker. You cover for more total snaps. You know, if he can't, you know, understand what's going on behind him uh, on, on curl routes and do the things he needs to do to be an interior defender in zone, um, you know, shallow interior defender in zone, or doesn't know how to react in time uh, against running backs uh, in the passing game, I don't know how he's going to play outside linebacker and cover a tight end. Uh, you know, there's, maybe there's more man responsibilities, and that's something that, that, that he could do well with. But then you, you, you couple that with the fact that he then moves from uh, being a guy who probably can exploit things on the inside as a pass rusher to being a guy who actually has to beat a tackle. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's, a, that's a much different uh, set of things. And I, I just, I would hate to see us ca- reverse Kamalai Correa, uh, Harrison. Uh, Correa was an outside linebacker. They tried to turn it into inside linebacker. This is the other way around. I, I just, I, I don't see it working uh, for him. I know he did play two snaps at, at uh, outside linebacker in the game against Washington, uh, but I just don't see that as a viable option. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something that is an ideal situation, um, mm-hmm. but I think that he can set the edge for you. I think he has that ability on on in the run defense. Um, so you don't necessarily need to have, you know, that role taken up by someone like a Justin Houston, who who is also a solid run defender in his own right. But you don't want to use him, those snaps, those limited snaps that Houston can give you as, as primarily as a run defender. Um, and then in terms of coverage, he's not Tyus Bowser. And I think, you know, you don't treat him like a Tyus Bowser. You have him, you know, maybe do some simulated pressures where he's dropping off into like a flat. Um, he, he's not going to be manned up on a tight end that's not where he can be doing the things that bowser can do but he can i think drop into a shallow zone and and at least you know rally to the ball um you don't want him covering anybody in man-to-man i I definitely agree with that so um there are you know some linebackers who will drop 100 times a game at at the same position some guys will drop 250 like tyus bowser there's a difference in in what those responsibilities are and I think, you know, Harrison, if he's required or asked to do that, has that first skill set um, and, and, and not the Bowser skill set. Okay. So five coverage dropbacks per game from outside linebacker if he was playing the whole game, which hopefully he, he will not be. Uh, but, but, you know, part of this is, is also how do you plan for if something really bad happens? So what happens if Oway or Houston gets hurt? I mean, I don't, I don't even want to think about it, but we have to. Yeah. You know, we try, or the Ravens have to anyway about, about what do you do next. I mean, first of all, you're on the phone. Uh, and, and, and second of all, you try and figure, you know, figure it out in-house, and you've got Stephen Means and Owe. Uh, if, uh, if Houston were to get hurt, for example, uh, and then you've got some real things to figure out. And maybe you, you come up with alignments where your four-man front includes Calais Campbell as a defensive end all of a sudden. Yeah. Is that... that that would be an p- option. I, I think that's definitely on the table. And, and Campbell has experience playing outside as a base end in, in 4-3. He did that a lot in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that's, you know, foreign to him. And I think he can also, you know, be kind of your base end in, obviously, in a 3-4 look as well. So he's versatile in that way. He's played a lot more interior for the Ravens than, than outside on the edge. But um, that, that flexibility is something that the Ravens could potentially use. Um, but... I think you know the Ravens aren't done either. This is a position that I expect them to make 
at least one pickup. You know, we've seen Devon Kennard as floated around as, as a name. He's been around the, for a few years. He has some experience playing Sam. He, when he was in yeah. New York, he dropped in the coverage a, a decent amount, um, played a different role in Detroit, more of a pass rusher. Um, he moved to Arizona, had a smaller role in their defense, but, you know, more of an early down player there. So, you know, he's someone who could fill, fill that role. I don't think he would be too expensive. He's been around the league for a long time. Um, and then the other end of the spectrum is your JPP, you know, someone who is more of a mm-hmm. pass rusher, but is, you know, bigger, stronger, more physical on the edge. Um, the Ravens brought him in, worked him out a while ago, didn't sign him to a contract, exploring options, talking about money probably. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, dismiss the possibility of bringing someone like that in as well. Well, I, I guess, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So I wouldn't dismiss it either. Kennard is an older guy. Uh, you know, so is JPP at this point. But Kennard is an older guy. He's 31, I think, uh, who uh, has, has some experience dropping. He's the closest thing to a Sam linebacker that I'm aware of right now. But there's probably some other guys who just hit the street. Maybe some guys that they're even scouted out of college who are R or one players, you know, rookie or first year players who still have their four, four years left, who they liked trait wise in terms of that. You really see, it's one of the funny things in, in college, you don't see those guys play a lot of, of CM linebacker because they're always the best player on their team if they're in the NFL now, or they're, they're, they usually are. And, and that means they're needed to rush the passer. And that's kind of how I feel about Adafi Owe here is if they force him into a Sam role, It'll almost certainly mean they take away from him as a pass rusher, uh, and and you know I just I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, and it could also mean just redefining the Sam position and and mm-hmm. what it means on on obvious passing downs, as opposed to what we saw Tyus Bowser do. He, he could you know be more of a of a pass rusher um, because in the past the Ravens have pretty heavily used a three man outside linebacker unit on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect to see that as much this year, especially with the players they have. I don't think they obviously have two <laughs> on the roster now. They can't do that. Yeah. But even if they bring in a couple more players, I think you're looking at more dime packages and you're looking at, you know, more traditional two, you know, edge players on the and two more traditional defensive tackles on the inside. And you're more of you know, like your four, two, five kind of look. Um, yeah. That's what I would expect at least. Yeah, I mean, the 4-2-5 is fine, and you can make the 4-2-5 into one of those two be a dime dime safety, dime back. And if they redefine the defense to make Hamilton a guy who's regularly in the box up there against tight ends, and he can create all kinds of problems, both in short zone and man coverage, whatever you choose to do with him, that's a great chess piece usage. But it also telegraphs what you're doing. It means a lot of the time that Hamilton isn't going to be a guy who's going to be rushing the passer. Uh, you know, you're not you're not moving him all over the field. You're not using him deep to start with coming coming up into the box as a robber. To, to, I mean, he's a chess piece. You move him around. You're going to be giving some away something about what he's doing. But if, if his role is basically to cover for your Sam linebacker because your Sam linebacker can't cover, that's not so good. Yeah. And I think, like I said, it's really just a kind of a redefining what the roles on the team are. And if, mm-hmm. if he needs to be the player that does that because the Ravens don't have anybody else who can fill that skill set, then, you know, that's what you drafted your first round pick to do. You can say, go yeah. line up over that tight end and take him away and we'll take our other two edge guys and have them just rush the passer. And that doesn't mean that there can't be some deception in there as well and have away drop every once in a while and, and have Hamilton come off the edge. And you still have guys like Chuck Clark who can move around and be, you know, kind of a movable chess piece as well. 
And honestly, we don't really know what the McDonald defense is going to look like at this point. So, go. I mean, that's one of the most exciting parts about this whole discussion is he's he's an interesting, he's a young, creative coach, and we don't know if it's going to be, you know, just the same old Wink Martindale, or maybe it's a completely different defense that he's kind of been conjuring up. Yeah, and same old Wink Martindale. We need to give Wink a little freaking credit here. Same old Wink Martindale was a was a revolution yeah. unto itself in terms of differences in multiple outside linebackers on the field and going back to to the Ravens' roots as a as a dime team and all that, uh, playing very little base defense. So all all of those things, uh, you know, were, were things that Wink. Uh, brought to the table that were very different. So uh, it, it almost, it's because he was so extreme, I know McDonald has played under Wink, so he could certainly have picked up elements of what Wink did. But, uh, you know, it, it could be we, we see just out of personnel and out of, out of you know, just changing a guy who was fairly extreme, we see a fairly extreme change in defensive scheme. And like you, I'm, I'm very excited about it. And, and we saw nothing in the preseason. I mean, they're like, they're, cards are tight to the vest with two inside linebackers on the field on, on virtually every play. They had five plays where they didn't put in two inside linebackers. So uh, I, I'm expecting that to change a lot during the season. Yeah, I, I think they were, they were just extremely vanilla. And it's it's one of the things that I think will be most exciting to see in week one, how, how these players are used. Um, but, you know, it'll be also one of the things that I think is going to be fun is is the defensive backs because that's is one of those situations where we saw some a lot of players in different roles in the preseason we didn't see any starters basically all preseason so we don't know how they're going to be deployed who's going to play where um i think the one player that we think we know is pepe williams who's probably going to be the starting slot cornerback um but outside from that and you know the two outside guys peters and and um and humphrey um what, what the rest of the depth looks like and how they're going to be deployed, that's a big question mark at this time. I, I hope you're right about that because I, I'm, I'm afraid that Fuller is somehow in the plans to be a starter as the season begins. And I think it makes a lot more sense for him to be a backup. If he is a starter, he's probably a starter on the outside with Humphrey moving to the slot would be my guess. And, you know, I've been fairly vocal about that not being what I want to see. I want to see Humphrey on the outside. Fuller was, you know, a guy who who's had his difficulties last year in Denver uh, and I think Pepe has shown enough this preseason that that he's clearly the guy, and you don't really have a backup guy that's obvious at slot. It's it has to it probably has to be either Fuller or um, Humphrey. Now that Ardarius Washington was cut, did that surprise you? Yeah, Ardarius Washington being cut was a big surprise to me, and it's also disappointing to me um, because I thought that he showed a lot uh, in the, his rookie preseason. They kept him. Um, I thought he you know showed just as much if not more than the second preseason um you know he was consistent um in his coverage he was you know a good tackler um kind of all over the place and making plays and i guess they didn't see him as someone who could contribute enough on special teams to keep around um that's that's what i'm kind of guessing is, is the kind of consistent theme here but they they really i thought could use his versatility in the secondary because you know, even though you have someone like Brandon Stevens, who's played some safety, played some cornerback, I don't think he's looked particularly good when he's played cornerback. And, mm-hmm. you know, safety, he probably is a little better, but he's not going to be used that much in safety because you have four really good safeties on this team. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what his role on the team is going to be. At least with Washington, you have someone who you feel good about as, you know, as your, you know, your 
fill in at slot cornerback who can also kind of move around and play safety if you need him to as well. So that to me was was a curious decision to, to leave him off. Um, and I, I can't think of any reason why aside from, the, you know, the special team thing. If it's a Josh Oliver or a Ardarius Washington, to me that was an obvious choice to go with Washington. And that's just something that I'm, I'm struggling with. Yeah, that uh, that would have been... Uh, uh, probably a decision where I would have I would have taken Washington. It, it's it's not that he has to beat out Stevens for a job. It's it's like why can't you have seven corners yeah. on this team? You already you already put eleven linemen on the team, you know, and five tight ends. It just seems excessive. I, 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 the other thing is I really didn't see Josh Oliver as someone they lose if they go. Whereas Ardis Washington, I think it's very likely that Ardarius Washington will play somewhere else this year. So, sorry, maybe put, I, I would say it's more likely he plays somewhere else than he plays with the Ravens this year. Now, after this cut, uh, this just, he won't be claimed. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but somebody else is going to come to him about their practice squad. And they're going to, they're going to say, Hey, we, we think we'll have a spot for you. What we want to do is put you on the practice squad, elevate you twice, bring you up maybe about week four, week five, when our depth, you know, runs out because we're thin and hey, look, what we got it. And, and we've only got one guy who can even kind of play slot corner. We're not sure about him. That's a, this is a situation you want to be in. And one other thing about cornerback that I thought was interesting was how um, Harbaugh described the role for Kayvon Seymour. Um, and he seemed like he was a player that they were going to come back and had some plans for um, as the season progressed and as he gets healthy. So I'm not sure exactly where he stands, whether he would be you know someone who's just kind of like left on the street if they sign him to a practice squad and you know have the expectation that he'll be you know kind of the first guy caught up if they need somebody to play corner for them but you know I thought he played pretty pretty well this preseason he, he got you know some flack for some plays but overall I thought he performed well um, and you know he has experience he's been around the league for a few years so you know that helps I think maybe give you some cushion at cornerback give you a little bit more depth there down the stretch if injuries yeah. do happen, which unfortunately they seem to always happen to, to the Ravens at cornerback. Yeah, and, and I, it's true of other teams too, but it seems to be very true of the Ravens in certain years. They just get everybody injured at once. So uh, Seymour, I, I would agree. I think he played adequately this preseason. He had one really great play. He had one really terrible play in that first game where he gave up the long bomb down the left sideline. Uh, but, but knocking away that two-point conversion and extending the streak was a great play and just incredibly sad circumstances that he gets rolled up on a game-winning play like that. Uh, it's frustrating, obviously, but, uh, but, but it is what it is. Uh, he's, uh, uh, I, I don't know what the rules are on him coming back because if he gets waived, he was, he was waived, not, he was not waived, oh, Kayvon Seymour, waived injured, right? So he reverts to IR for the full season, I believe, if he's not claimed. Okay, so that's Brian McFarland answer that question for us. And then, is it, was he waived injured? Can so he that? was released. Um, he was a vested veteran. Um, and he did not, so he didn't have to go through the waivers. Um, I don't know if they will do an injury settlement with him or if they have some mm-hmm. kind of handshake arrangement where they plan on bringing him back later on in the season. Because I think he's in his fifth year. Okay, so what Brian mentioned to me was when you waive a guy injured, and this may not apply to, to a vested veteran, but when you waive a guy injured, that you, you come up with an injury settlement, then you, you give him that based on the number of games that he's expected to miss. So let's say it's four games the Ravens uh, agree, the Ravens and, and his people agree is the number of games he's going to miss. Then he gets four seventeenths or four eighteenths of his salary, I guess, for the, for the season. He goes there, and then the Ravens are not allowed to pick him up until 
that number of weeks plus three has mm-hmm. passed, so okay. they can't they can't get him back. I think until week eight. Okay. So uh, anyway, it's it, uh, Brian explained it. He's very good with these these kind of things, and uh, usually when I'm having any trouble with anything, I just I just uh, uh, go to him because. Uh, He'll tell you he's very good about answering questions too. Yeah, he's an encyclopedia of NFL ruledom. Yeah, the the one we haven't still got an answer yet is whether there has to be any designated to return. I don't think there does now um, on on IRs. So they're going to put a bunch of people in IR. We might have fifteen people players on IR at some point this season. Let's hope it doesn't get that bad for the Ravens soon. Anyway, but they're going to have a, a number of guys to start the year on IR here, including Kolar and Ajabo, and uh, I'm sure a couple others as well. And you could bring back up to eight now this year, and you have to wait four weeks. But the question was, do you need you to designate them for return when they go on IR? And I think the answer is no. Put as many people as you want on IR, bring back eight of them. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. Um, when, when the rule was initially made, you did have to de- designate them mm-hmm. when, they, when they put on the IR. I think now you have the option to kind of like let the injury play out so you can see when they're ready to come back after that four years or four four years four weeks has elapsed that they can come back and play um if they are healthy so that definitely gives you some flexibility um and it allows you to kind of really decide you know as your roster changes over the course of the season which are the players that you feel like you need to bring back if they're able to all right, let's go. Let's go to the safety where we had the, kind of the last cut, and and one of the ones that he seems to be having some fun with. I, I assume that means he knows he's coming back at some point. But Tony Jefferson was cut. It's at least temporary, as we as we know. Uh, and and he put out some meme of a crying child. And first of all, at fifty nine, I don't really understand a lot of memes when I see them <laughs> on social media. It's definitely not, you know, it's like emojis. It's not a language that I communicate on. I'm more likely to be able to communicate with what's the what's the relevant metaphorical Simpsons line. That's what's what I'm more <laughs> likely to come up with. But I don't I don't get it. When, you know, when people give me memes or emojis necessarily. But Tony Jefferson, I would take from that. It, he wouldn't have put out a crying child. He would have put out something that was very heartfelt about, thanks, Baltimore, for the great opportunity. Hope to see you again sometime soon. Uh, I'll find my own way. Hopefully we meet in the Super Bowl kind of thing. I, I, I would hope for something like that. But in, in terms of, uh, of what we saw, I, that leads me to believe he'll be back. Yeah, I tend to think so, too. Um, you know, he's, he's someone who was available for like two years um, after he got hurt. Nobody, he wasn't mm-hmm. playing on anybody's team. I th- or maybe he played San Francisco very briefly and then was released uh, before the Ravens picked him up last year. Um, I, I think, you know, he's someone who feels like he's, you know, a Raven for life. And he's been here for a while. They brought him back. He had some nice play last year. They felt like he had a role on the team moving forward. Obviously that changed as you, as they brought in some safeties and his, you know, roles diminished and it wasn't as apparent um, but I think there will potentially be, you know, that special teams role for him, you know, s- similar to the Anthony Levine kind of position. So maybe not ap- in week one, maybe not in t- week two, but um, at some point in the season, I, I do think that he's going to end up on the r- roster, uh, especially as, you know, some of these players get hurt or, you know, go to IR. Yeah. So, I mean, we're acting like the rave, like the roster is a static thing, but, yeah. you know, depth breakdowns as, as, as it happens. So the 53 now will not be the 53 four weeks from now. 
uh, we can bet on that. And and uh, certainly there's a good chance that there's a there's an opportunity for a player like Jefferson. Whether it's in you know you could lose an inside linebacker, you could lose a, another player who's important on special teams. You certainly could lose a safety and want a fourth one. Uh, with the way the Ravens may want to play their defense. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons why he, he could be back. And you know what else? You've got two elevations if you can bring him back on the practice squad. So if, if nobody else wants him, and nobody's going to claim him, but somebody else may, uh, well, nobody else is going to claim him because he's a Vester veteran, but, but I don't think anybody else is going to really be eager to sign Tony Jefferson. It's just my opinion. I don't think anybody's looking out in there and saying, yeah, he's our, he's our dime backer. That's just what we needed. Uh, most teams already have that. They have a guy on their scheme. But I think that he, he could be a, a guy that uh, the Ravens could elevate twice and then bring back to the to the uh, team after that. Yeah, I mean, there probably are a couple of teams that could use a safety. I think the Eagles, and, you know, I know they just traded for uh, someone, Chauncey Gunner-Johnson, but um, they weren't deep at safety. It was one of the positions where they were kind of thin. I think the Giants, you know, he could reunite with, with Wink. That's There's some opportunity there. Um so we'll, we'll see, um, but I, I think he ends up being a Raven at some point this season. I agree with that. All right. Outstanding. Just a lot of fun going through this with you. Obviously, uh, you know, a certain cathartic nature of talking through this with you, Gabe, about what's happened because, we, you know, we're, we're, we're both – you know, looking at these lists with furrowed brow, no doubt, as as they uh, as they came across the wire, uh, very interesting day. Uh, you know, I think reading the tea leaves is is very interesting with someone like you. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Yeah, I can. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, real quick, I just wanted to ask you uh, out of the released veterans. Um, I, you know, we talked about Urban. I think we mentioned him. He's probably mm-hmm. some of the Ravens. I think will most definitely bring back. Do you have another yep. guy? I think Means is the other player that they'll probably hundred percent chance to be back with two outside linebackers yeah. currently. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have a certain spot, but as soon as Hayes um, was was waived injured, then that pretty much solidified Means' spot. I thought he was pretty a pretty good chance to make it before, but he'd be one of these guys that they would cut and bring back. Yeah. Sure enough, they cut him and they're going to bring him back, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the chance is near, near 100%. Yeah, they just need bodies at outside linebacker. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how much of a, you know, real pass rush he's going to give you. Um, but he, he can at least, you know, provide hopefully something, maybe some, you know, edge setting for you. And and that way you don't have to have, you know, Oway and Houston out there for, for all those reps early on. Yeah, I, I think that would be a huge contribution if he can, if he can snap countify Houston. Uh, in, in a way, by by subbing subbing with him, they need more of that. Either way, on other, they don't want Owe playing a Suggs like percentage of snaps because Suggs, in, you know, in his great years, was would play ninety five percent of the snaps or more. I, I I'm not looking for that. I'd rather have Owe play two thirds of the snaps, be very effective as a pass rusher, really get some some rest on every single series, as opposed to taking two snaps off midway through the third quarter like Suggs used to do, and that was it for the game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, anyway. I, 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 talking through this with you was, was, was a lot of fun. Gabe, tell other folks where they can find your work. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, I'm very active this time of year. Um, as probably some of you are aware, I've, I communicate with several people on a regular basis on Twitter. It's, it's, it's a great um, forum. I think, you know, it's a great way to kind of express your opinions and, you know, talk through some differences, talk through some similarities. Um, also I will be, um, on the Raven Situation Room podcast um, on the Film Study Baltimore website. I think Jordan and I will probably have one up before the season starts, and then once the season happens, we'll be recording after each game um, to over 
just go over, you know, what happened, break down, you know, some of the coaching decisions, some of the plays we found interesting, um, and really kind of go in depth detail about, you know, the schematics of what happened. So, um, hope that you will follow me on Twitter and that we can, uh, have a conversation on there. Okay. At Gabe Fergie on Twitter, make sure you give him a follow. If you're following him, if you're following me, there's no reason you shouldn't be following him. So, so that's a, that's a good follow. Uh, also, you'll be back three times as I have it during the season. So the first time you'll be back is to talk offense after the New England game in week three. Looking forward to that one. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. So we've got a little bit of time before the, pre- before the season starts. And each, even during the regular season, I'll probably be doing one per week. Some topic you're passionate about, 25, 30 minutes worth of total discussion. So keep it narrow. And, uh, and I'd love to hear from you. I'll get back to you right away. Uh, DMs are always open. Uh, Gabe, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. It's a pleasure as always. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.